Friends, let us now center ourselves in receiving the word shared in today's scripture passage being read by our own amazing Jason Blackwell. A reading from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 3, verses 35. The translation is from the Common English Bible. Jesus entered a house. A crowd gathered again so that it was impossible for him and his followers even to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they came to take control of him. They were saying, he's out of his mind. The legal experts came down from Jerusalem. Over and over they charge, he's possessed by Beelzebub. He throws out demons with the authority of the ruler of demons. When Jesus called them together, he spoke to them in a parable. How can Satan throw, out, throw Satan out? A kingdom involved in civil war will collapse and a house torn apart by divisions will collapse. If Satan rebels against himself and is divided, then he can't endure. He's done for. No one gets into the house of a strong person and steals anything first without first tying up the strong person. Only then can the house be burglarized. I assure you that human beings will be forgiven for everything for all sins and insults of every kind. But whoever insults the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. That person is guilty of a sin with consequences that last forever. He said this because the legal experts were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. His mother and brother brothers arrived. They stood outside and sent word to him, calling for him. A crowd was seated around him and those sent to him said, look, your mother, brothers, and sisters out outside looking for you. He replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Looking around at those seated around him in a circle, he said, look, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother, sister, and mother. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks, Jason. <clears throat> and you are absolutely one of the delights of harmony. Uh, before, friends, before we receive the special song from Melinda, I want to introduce this morning's guest who will share the message with us, very familiar to us at Harmony. Jace Lucas is a, a wonderful, amazing young man who inspires the world in so many ways, living out his faith and call to follow Christ. And friends, what fruit has indeed been born from all that he does? Chase is a gift, and we appreciate him so much. And as an aside, I want to say that Jace not only specializes in uh, fashion PR and influencer marketing by day, he's also the host of an insightful podcast called The Life Inspired. For 30-plus minutes every week, Jace explores some of the most relevant and random inspiration that life has to offer, and those topics, they range from culture, activism, media, faith, and more. And his most recent podcast, the last two, in fact, involved Pastor Bridie Roberts and a heart-to-heart uh, -heart conversation about the Christian faith. It's good stuff. Well, Jace, we look forward to uh, your message inspired following Melinda's song, which will now receive Known.
God, thank you for the opportunity for us to gather here today. Thank you for your word and that we get to explore it. Father God, use this time to teach us all. Show me what I can learn from what you shared through your son and help us to serve and honor you and how we love one another. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So happy Pride Month. I shared on social media earlier this week that I never thought I would be participating in a, uh, a pride uh, a series at a church. I think this is such an exciting time. And Larry did a great job last week uh, sharing about our affirmation for the LGBTQ plus community and some of the history of the community as well. And this week, I would love to talk more to the church and to ways that we can love on the gay community. Um, and Jesus gives us a great example of this in Mark 3. But I'd love to go back a little bit with my own story. 
um, and show that I grew up in the church. I was involved ever since I was a little kid in a small country church where my dad was the pastor and my grandfather was a pastor as well. And some of my earliest memories are in a nursery. And as I grew older, you know, um, we did all the Bible drills and uh, kept growing up. And I got to run fundraisers in middle school and in high school, I ran day camps for our kids. And we had a, a prison ministry that I worked in. And um, I, I felt so involved in this church and like I was serving my purpose that I was created to fulfill in loving on people through loving God through the church. But when I came out, I was asked to step away from all of that because I was a queer person. And then I moved to California and I, um, I, I got involved in another church and I was one of their pastors. And then there was another big situation where uh, people hurt one another and I was asked to step away. And what I realized is that my whole life, I had been trying to commune with God through the church where he welcomed me and he accepted me. And it was always people that hurt me and turned me away. And I'm really lucky that I found uh, a community of other believers around me who affirmed me and eventually ended up at Harmony where we are a reconciling community. But for so many people, we know that that's simply not the experience. For so many people in the LGBTQ plus community and even other groups outside of that that are oppressed by the church, they're hurt. And then they never find their way back to this faith community that God has created us to know him through. And I think that our church does an amazing job of being a reconciling church. You know, I have not encountered a congregation that is so inclusive of all people. But I think it's important for us to remember that reconciliation is not redemption. So reconciliation is the bringing together of two people or things. It's when you, you, you heal or you, you bring, uh, we come back together. So as a reconciling church, we have brought the gay community back into our faith community, which is absolutely amazing. But beyond that, redemption is the healing of a relationship or a reputation. Here's an example. If I walked up to Pastor Mark and I punched him in the face, and then afterwards, I, uh, I realized that I had done something wrong and I apologized and he accepted my apology. We have reconciled, right? However, for Pastor Mark or anyone who saw me do that, there may be a lack of trust still. There may be some concern. There may be worries about what happened. And I have to, through my actions, go above and beyond to show that I have changed and that this is not something that's going to happen again. And then once that happens, that is redemption. So today I'd really like to talk about how we as a church can go beyond being a reconciling congregation into becoming a redeeming faith community. And I think in the book of Mark in the passage that we just read, which I'm, I'm going to reread because I'm a big uh, hear it once, hear it, hear it twice, uh, understand it. So I'll reread it again. But I think in Mark, Jesus shows us some ways that we can love on and redeem our relationships with one another. So let's go back to Mark 3 and start in verse 20. And the Bible says, Jesus entered a house and the crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said, he's out of his mind. The scribes who had come down from Jerusalem said he is possessed by Beelzebul and he drives out demons by the ruler of demons. So he summoned them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? 
if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is finished. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for all sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So in this passage, we approach Jesus, who's been performing miracles. He's healed people. He's driven out demons. And he's starting to gain popularity and acceptance in a culture that previously had been more skeptical and, and maybe just not understood who he was, so they were scared. Um, he's been doing good things. And now the people are coming to him and embracing him and loving him. But we also see what we call Pharisees, the religious leaders. And as Jesus starts to gain popularity, they become uncomfortable because they don't understand how he's relating to other people. They're maybe a little bit afraid of losing their power and their control over the people. And they're also probably jealous of the love and acceptance that the community is giving to Jesus. So they decide to attack his character. And that's when they start to accuse Jesus of driving out demons by the power of demons and, and all of these things. Um, but does, does this sound maybe a little bit familiar in today's society? In Mark, we read about Jesus, who is becoming more affirmed and loved by the people. And then we see Pharisees, leaders, who decide to attack his character. And they say that he is, because he is driving out demons, he must be a demon. And I think if we, if we look at today, we see a gay queer community who is starting to be loved and accepted more and more by people and culture. We see religious or political leaders who are scared of something that they don't understand or that they don't know. And they say that the word love is being corrupted when these people, these queer people love one another. But in verse 23, Jesus shows us, he says, you cannot drive out demons with demons. And I think today we can compare that to you cannot corrupt love with love. Loving someone of the same gender does not ruin love. It is a part of love. And Jesus accuses the Pharisees of causing division. And we see division today too, right? Especially over this issue of LGBT inclusion. We see it in our own Methodist churches. We see it in the United States and in our politics and in society. And we need to get to a place where we can heal from this brokenness and redeem ourselves from this division. So how do we do that? In verse 28, Jesus reminds us that all are forgiven by his grace. And he points us back to verse 25, which is all about unity, where he says, a house divided cannot stand, a kingdom divided cannot stand. He's reminding us that only when we affirm and love one another in unity, that's when we stand, that's when we thrive, that's when we enjoy and, and serve God. If we want to be a redeeming church and we want to follow Jesus' plan for us, and bring people who have been hurt by the church back into it, we have to pursue unity. So what does this look like for us as a, we're, we're not necessarily, um, you know, back in Jesus day in the book of Mark, we're here in the 21st century in 2021. What does unity look like for a redeeming church? 
well, it's Pride Month. And perhaps that means celebrating pride with the gay community, even if you're not a part of it. Perhaps unity looks like standing up for black lives when they're under attack. Maybe unity looks like accepting and defending our transgender brothers and sisters. Unity simply looks like love. And in 1 John chapter 4, we're reminded that God is love. So when we pursue God and we love his people, we pursue unity. So that's the first thing that I, as a queer person who has been hurt by the church, think that the church needs to, to practice more of in order to redeem themselves in the eyes of the queer community. Number one is unity. Number two is service. So let's jump back into Mark uh, chapter three, starting in verse 31. It says, his, mo his mothers and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, look, your mother, your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied to them, who are my mother and my brothers? Looking at those sitting around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. So in this passage now, after Jesus has addressed um, people accusing him of being demonic and encouraged them to pursue unity and reminds them that a house divided cannot stand, then we see that his family has come to look for him. And in Jesus' day, his family would have taken top priority, right? These were the most important people to him, especially his mother is here looking for him. Uh, the assumption of the culture at this time would be that Jesus would go and serve those people closest to him. He would see what they need, help them out, take care of them first, and then address the other people who would come to see him, right? Um, but in verse 33, Jesus reverses this normal power dynamic. He's, he knows it would be easiest probably for him to just go take care of whatever his family needs. But instead he sees the people around him who have come to him and need him and are seeking him out. And he says, I am here for you. And today this really challenges the church. In Jesus' day, the family or the people that are closest to him that it would have been easiest for him to serve. For us today as a church, Maybe we can compare that to the church itself. You know, it's, it's easy for me to love on people in my Bible studies and, and that I work in the nursery with and people that attend church regularly and give to the joy box and all these people that I know and am close to. But just as Jesus chose to instead put them aside for a second and focus on the people around him who needed him, maybe we do the same thing with the gay community, with underrepresented, undocumented immigrants, with the homeless and the poor and the sick and those who are in need. If we take Jesus' example of how to love one another, we have to focus on serving others outside of our community before we focus on serving those closest to us. I think that this passage that we explored today is a great passage of the Bible for Pride Month because it shows two examples, unity and service, two things that we can do to love other people and that the church can do to redeem themselves to others. But it really does challenge us because unity and service are not always easy, right? It, when we talk about unity, there are always going to be people that we disagree with on a number of things, whether it's politically or socially, or maybe someone who's offended us in the past, there are always going to be people that are hard to unite with. 
same with service. It requires us to, to get up and get going and get out and give, you know, whether you have to give your time or your resources. Um, it, it's, it's not something you can just sit down and passively do. Service requires action. So these are two challenging things. But here's the thing. Jesus never promised us that life would be easy or that it would be comfortable. And, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Pastor Mark and we were talking about a number of things. And I said, uh, you know, I'm really glad that I landed at Harmony. You know, Nick and I are so happy here and we're really comfortable. And it's the first time as a gay person that I felt comfortable in a church. And he says, that's great. We're glad that you're here and that you're comfortable. But remember that our calling is not to be comfortable. Now we have to go beyond that and bring others in and make them comfortable too. God has placed Harmony in a position to redeem the church in the eyes of the people of Los Angeles. There are so many communities around us that have been offended or hurt by the church. And it's not by us, right? At Harmony, that we do our best to include everyone. But the responsibility of redeeming the church in the people's eyes has been placed on us. And whether it's from conservative politics or a history of racism or our oppression of the LGBT community, there's a lot of hurt and a lot of work for us to do to be a redeeming church. So my challenge for you, as we go out, as we continue Pride Month and move forward and pursue being a faith community that honors God, my challenge for you is to pursue the hurt communities around you and to help to redeem the relationship with the church. Amen. Amen. Wonderful job, Jace. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's uh, as a reminder, so I just want to feed off of something that Jason said is, is that if as we listen to, to him, everything is action. Everything is action oriented. And I love the aspect, Jace, that you've brought up is we're not just called to reconcile, we're called to redeem. And how often have we said that we're a redeeming church? And I love the idea of pursuing. It's not just pursuit of unity, but it's also pursuit of those who need to be loved, pursuit of those outside of our walls. And we do say that, that we must live outside of our walls. It's not about us inside. It is about those outside. So thank you. Uh, great, great message. And friends, what a great morning we've had worshiping and giving praise to, uh, to God. Amen. Now, I, want to, I do want to share a couple of very important announcements. And these are for the next three upcoming Sundays. The next three upcoming Sundays, there's not going to be a live worship service for Harmony via Zoom. We will have the opportunity, though, to connect with Hollywood UMC and their live stream worship service at 11 a.m. So that's on June 20th, June 27th, and July 4th. And then when July 11th rolls around, we're going to then resume with Zoom worship uh, with Harmony at 10.30 a.m. That said... Let's all remember on June 27th, two weeks from now at 10.30 a.m., we're going to have our very first in-person gathering outdoors on Harmony's front lawn in which we will focus on providing support for the LGBT Center and the North Hollywood Interfaith Food Pantry. What a way for us to be a redeeming faith community. Amen. So we want to see you. Let's make every effort, to, so make every effort to be part of us uh, being difference makers for this broken and hurting world. And now friends, for those on Zoom, please stick around. We're gonna segue to our question of the day in breakout rooms and to everyone. 
the peace of Christ be with you on this day and always. Amen.